Caregivers, have you ever felt like nothing is going right? Well, cheer up and welcome to Dave, the Caregivers Caregiver Radio Program, where you'll learn how to avoid that dreaded thing called caregiver burnout and how to survive the grieving process. Join Dave and his guests now as they share practice tips and tools that you can start using immediately to help get you through this day. Now, here's your caregiver host, Dave Nassani. From Los Angeles and New York City, the Big Apple and a Big LA. Welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I am Dave, the caregiver's caregiver, otherwise known as Caregiver Dave at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg at thecaregiverspace.org. Hi. And we're coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on 18 global audio and video platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, MixCloud, Listen Notes, Blueberry F, Player FM, Podcast.com, VIP Internet Radio, TuneIn, Facebook Live, HealthyLife.net, and CaregiverDave.com. And we're so proud to be Voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and one of the top best uh, six podcasts by Caring.com, as well as number three podcast out of thousands on caregiver podcasts on Feedspot. And we have an exciting show planned for you today, don't we, Adrian? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Um, we had a guest that uh, did not work out, so... Once again, my favorite show is just her and me, me and her, Adrian and Dave, the Adrian Kicking and Dave Kicking it show. around. <laughs> yeah. Talking shop, talking about caregivers, talking about each other, talking about life, talking about being seniors and talking about being senior caregivers and talking about being senior after caregivers and moving and just anything that comes to our mind. <clears throat> And just a reminder, we want to thank last week's guests, John Haggerty and Janice Butler, who are owners of Your Soul's Toolbox, where spirituality and psychology converge. And you can see that uh, interview or hear that interview on many of our sites. And just a reminder that uh, you can go to caregiverdave.com and get some free gifts by just clicking the Get My Free Gifts button. Or you can join by clicking the Join button. It's very simple. One-stop shopping. It's all there, years and years of content. And likewise, Adrian's site, caregiverdave.org. Years and years. I was going to say caregiverdave.org. No, it's the caregiverspace.org. <laughs> years and years, longer than mine. <clears throat> you were one of the very first caregiver sites weren't you mm. <coughs> i guess I one of caring.com was caring.com caregiving.com i mean and you had the, a different name in those days didn't you the caregiver survival network we started <clears throat> with mm. um that's still on a lot of search engines too which proves <laughs> nothing ever goes away on the internet <laughs> i know it's it's unbelievable <clears throat> But uh, it was it was a mouthful. I, it wasn't catchy. It, I didn't like it at all. Well, so, who came up with it? You? Um, 
Doesn't matter who came up with it. It's gone. So, I mean, yeah, I guess I came <clears throat> up with it, but I wasn't happy with it ever. And yeah. I wanted to change it. So well, we learn. We Life is a learning experience. Mm-hmm. And so I was talking to you. <clears throat> I got this little thing in my throat. I it just won't You too. Okay, so we'll both be clearing our throats. <clears> throat> <a little> bit. <clears> throat> Excuse us. <throat> We're just a couple of old farts trying to uh, talk here. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so let's see. I'm going to go over here to caregiver the caregiverspace.org, and what a nice site it is. You know, it says right at the top. You've got some. Uh, my mom has cancer, and I take her to appointments. Well, that's something a caregiver would say, right? And yes. my girlfriend has celiacs, and I cook healthy meals for us. So that's another thing that a caregiver would say. Uh, my brother has schizophrenia, and I don't know how to support him. Now, that's a tough one. Uh, make sure he's on medication. <laughs> my brother has a TBI, and I help him every day. So uh, I'm assuming that these are actual comments by caregivers. Oh, yes. My roommate has chronic fatigue, and I try to well, – I missed that one. My dad had a car accident, and I moved home while he recovers. So uh, sooner or later, you're going to come across a line that's that is – that's me. That's me. You know, and that's the idea of her site. It's just a great site. She has spent a lot of money on this site and a lot of time, a lot of hours. And then below that, there are pictures of people. I should probably share my screen, huh? That'd be a good idea. That has <clears> links. That. You know, I mean, those. <clears throat> the I'm going to share my screen. If you, if you click on the picture, yes, it takes uh, you to the article. And other articles. Can you see what I see now? Yes. My picture's not in the way, right, that I can see? Nope. Oh, good. So let me back up then. Um, so here, here's here's her, mm -hmm. her home site and all these things. My uncle, boy, this thing just keeps going, doesn't it? <laughs> my yes, uncle has a drug addiction. I take care of him. My see, that's, that's the thing about the caregiver space. <clears throat> We do not concentrate on elder care. Mm. If you look at all of these these uh, mm. problems that are at the top of the page, <clears throat> it's uh, it's all about all the other things. Yes, there's always dementia and there's always Alzheimer's. And here uh, I'm looking. My abuela is 96, and I moved across the country to take care of her. So we we do address um, elder care issues, but there are so many others, so many other issues. And we're here to listen to stories, hear, hear stories, tell stories, give feedback, help. <laughs> you know, it's... Yeah, and then you come down to what does a caregiver look like? Well, mm -hmm. they kind of look like these people. <clears throat> they just look like everyday normal people. And I see my uh, – I'm going to share this um, this Facebook Live with um, you on Caregiver Space. And that way whoever's on there can see that as well. And so, yeah, they, they're young and they're old and they're men and they're women and they're yep. boys and they're girls. I mean, how many? I think six million 
caregivers under the age of 18. Is that unbelievable? From 8 mm -hmm. to 18. We only count the ones from 8 to 18, but I bet there are caregivers younger than 8, you know? Um, I'm sure that there <clears throat> are They're not kids legal. under 8 who, <laughs> whose lives are heavily impacted by siblings and grandparents, whether or not they have the responsibility for the care of their life is being impacted. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're certainly learning about care and, yeah. and <clears throat> how, and in many cases, you know, they're making other people's lives better just by being there and being a kid and happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, I mean, my picture should be up there because I'm just a guy who <laughs> one day, you know, his wife had a headache and then now then she had a stroke. Yeah. And then she had uh, lost her speech and then she was paralyzed on her left side, right side, I'm sorry about that, the good side, <laughs> but the bad side. <laughs> Look at it. So... Then you have opportunities here. Uh, we're talking about Generation X, uh, Y, Z, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a Generation X, Y, and Z, right? <laughs> yes. So who were the Zs? When, they, when were they born? Oh, it says right here. One in four. <sighs> Millennials. Uh, it was Generation Z we're looking at on your site. 15 to 19. 15 to 9. Why does it say one in four Canadians? Uh, are we in Canada? Well, um, Corey is living in Toronto right now, ah. and she's, <clears throat> she's really Canadian in touch now. with a lot of people yeah. in Canada. Um, I mean, Donna Thompson's in Canada. Yeah. Uh, and Canada's a legitimate country. We we uh, we embrace them. <laughs> we share a three thousand mile border with them. Yes, we do. <laughs> and uh, the same Interstate Five Without that my gas station is on goes straight to Canada as well. Goes all the way down to Mexico. So I mean, the, uh, fifteen to the, nineteen. The, so the issue of, of Gen Z is uh, mm. is. Definitely a valid issue. You've got these kids <clears throat> who help someone, and uh, their grades may suffer, their time at school may suffer, uh, their applications, certainly the finances at home may suffer, mm -hmm. and it says right here, they put their future careers uh, yeah. at risk, study shows. Yep. And uh, one in four Canadians, age 15 to 19, helps someone with challenging uh, challenges resulting from illness, mm -hmm. disability, aging, etc. Wow, that's 25%. If you click on that, there's a whole article. Yeah. And who writes these articles? Well, it just says right up there, doesn't it? Some of it? them, when it says external article, okay, it's something that was found somewhere else that we got permission to post. Mm -hmm. 
And then uh, you have some in-house articles that maybe Corey writes or maybe some other people. Corey, or maybe some Bob other caregivers. Harrison, and me. Yeah. Oh, Bob Harrison. I remember him. We interviewed him yes. one time. He's a great guy. Bob is a gem also. Mm-hmm. Um, he very diligently monitors the site uh, in the evening hours and overnight hours. Volunteer, I yeah. assume. Hmm? Volunteer? Uh, originally, he was a volunteer. But he started he working so hard. You spending you're... so much time. Yeah. And. That passion, just, you know. It is. for, And it's not just a passion. For him, it was sort of a lifesaver. I mean, after mm-hmm. his wife Annie died. Um, he tried, he wrote a book and then he tried to post articles or become a writer for several different Mm -hmm. sites, uh, several different organizations, big organizations, and they didn't want, they didn't want him writing for them, not because he can't write, but because... He told. He tells the truth. <laughs> um, he he paints a very real picture of what it's all about. So, what category and, are his are his blogs in? If someone wanted to read uh, read them, death and dying, death after and dying. after after caregiving, uh, cancer. Um, Spousal care. I mean, uh, he really, you know, I, as I do, um, he has a great a great deal of niches that he fits into. A great mm-hmm. many niches, niches. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, you're passing one. I don't want to be my husband's caregiver. Now that that's one of those interesting things. Um, so what do you do? Sometimes <laughs> nobody sometimes wants to be their husband's can, caregiver. <laughs> well, I wanted to be my husband's caregiver, but really? yeah, I could imagine it any other way. Were there days that you didn't? No. Wow. Yeah. You're amazing. No, I'm not Even amazing. Even those rough days, those hard days, those days where you're pulling your hair out and and uh the rough days um were there hours that you didn't want to do it? <laughs> were there minutes? Were there oh, seconds? There was certainly there was certainly um minutes. I mean, the whole thing with him started with an emergency room visit, and he had peritonitis, mm. and he had a temporary colostomy. So that was mm. a lot of fun. Um, and then the colostomy was reversed, and he had three lung surgeries. I mean, uh-huh. it's... Uh, it, it's um, complicated. Caregiving yeah. is complicated, because... Yeah, you like want you said, to do as it. Many, 
many faces of care. Yes, faces of care is my my pet really? uh, because I believe that there's one degree of separation between anyone and a caregiver. Everyone yeah. knows someone sure. who is caring for someone. It's not six degrees of separation or five. Everyone knows someone. Um, oh, so it's hashtag faces of care. So let's so it's has, hashtag face. And people... Um, encourage people to post uh, on Instagram. Yeah. Well, uh, apologize to the audio people who cannot see what we see, so we'll have to oh, yeah. be very so we visual. Oh, yeah, talking about it. Yes. Our grief may not end, but our worlds grow. And that's where I am. I mean, I don't think... I, I mean, I, I think that I'll be grieving forever. The grieving changes, but it's certainly there. I mean, I lost my husband, and there are six, so many six years ago. Uh, at this point, let's see, uh, eight years, eight and um, eight and a half years now. But it gets easier with time. Easier. It gets easier with time, but the fact that. It says, but our worlds will grow. Um, I I knew that this is what I was going to I was going to create the caregiver space, hmm. sitting in hospital waiting rooms and watching other caregivers. Uh, I just I knew that that was what I wanted to do. So I had a plan for when Steve passed. I see. Um, and of course, I was taking care of his mother as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, all I could, all I could say about that was, I both of them had cancer. Um, I just prayed that. At 92, 93, she passed before he did because I knew what life would be like for me if I was taking care of her and he wasn't around. Mm -hmm. I, I saw, I, it was like a vision that I had. I saw in my mind... I imagined at the funeral that she would jump into the grave <laughs> top of the casket because oh, that's, that's scary. that was the relationship that they had. <laughs> and, um, a real mama's boy or is that going a little too no, far? No, she – Steve Steve lost his the vision in his, <clears throat> in his right eye. Uh-huh. And – the the number of surgeries that he had um, added to how much she worried about him. And Jewish mothers are <laughs> covering. 
Hovering, uh, huh? Yeah. Hovering. As well as confrontational. So it's a good thing that I got along with her as well as I did. Uh, but the tension between the two of them, we wouldn't have had her not move in with us because uh-huh. uh, the care that you would have received at the hospital in Brooklyn uh, was not up to our standards. And we did have room for her. So we had her move in with us. And the, there, in, in the back of my loft, there's a space that can be walled off. Uh, that has a Murphy bed and closets. And she moved in there and was very comfortable. Um, And, I mean, there was no reason for it not to work. But the two of them would sit in Steve's office, she at her computer, he at his computer, back to back, for hours mm. <laughs> playing games <laughs> this this was not my life i i have never gotten into computer games i i play word games but that's like um just to keep my brain healthy i love the titles of some of these blogs uh, <laughs> i'm in the the aftercare section There's 10 rules we can learn from aging parents now. Stop telling me to be grateful. I'm a caregiver. (laughs) Can (laughs) That's funny. Can love sparked at Burning Man last in everyday life? (laughs) Can love spark? What does that mean? Can love sparked at Burning Man last in everyday life? Is that proper English? Is that a typo? Yeah. Burning Man is, you know, the event. So can love spark that this event last in everyday life? Okay. Will it survive? One month, no schedule, no internet, no electricity. <laughs> uh, picking up the pieces after the person you have been caring for dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some people just go into um, depression because that's their their identity. They're just so wrapped up in it. Yeah, and some of them can't get out of it. Depending on how long someone's been taking care of somebody else, um, there can be a huge hole in their lives. I mean, this 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 vast chasm that was filled with medication and lists of how you know what had to be done and doctor's visits and hospital visits and uh, you know changing diapers and changing the linens and it, you know it, it there's so much that you have to do yeah uh, that there's a hole in your in your life and when people don't know how to fill it if they've given up their jobs um if they're of retirement age, it's very hard to sort of pick up the pieces and and go on to something else. Um, that's why I, I 
I was lucky that I knew what I was going to do. I would really be sort of lost. <laughs> I would probably have just continued painting and, yeah. and doing my artwork. Um, and I was, uh, you know, I'm, I am a, a, uh, I'm a real artist. <laughs> I'm not just uh, a hobbyist. Yes, you are. I was over your house and I saw your stuff. It's very impressive. So, uh, but I've never had a show and I've never sold anything, and uh, that has to do with my shyness. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so although I, most people think I'm very outgoing and very energetic, yeah, I'm but we very, we know better, don't very we? Very shy, <laughs> very introverted. Well, let's take a break for this introverted person, and we will be right back. <laughs> Don't go away. Dave Nassani, the caregiver's caregiver, has just released his sixth book entitled It's My Life Too. Reclaim your caregiver sanity by learning when to say yes and when to say no. It was specifically written for caregivers who know they should be putting their needs first, but just don't know how. Dave is the sole caregiver to his wife, Charlene, since 1996. He knows firsthand what caregivers are going through, because he is one. And he now speaks all across the country, offering caregivers his incredible caregiver support package. Even the airlines tell us that in the event of an emergency, to put your oxygen mask on first, before you help your child with their mask. They know that those who don't heed their advice often black out, thus becoming unable to help either themselves or their child and caregivers are exactly the same way. It's my life too. Reclaim your caregiver sanity by learning when to say yes and when to say no. We'll help caregivers who are neglecting their sleep, diet, and social life, and learn to put their needs first. Pick up your copy today, or buy one for your special caregiver. On sale everywhere, and at caregiverscaregiver.com. And we are back with the Caregiver Dave Show with Adrian Gruberg. I'm Dave Nassani. And we're talking about the caregiver space and uh, Adrian Gruberg and just kind of trying to figure out what makes her tick. And, um, you know, it's, it's very interesting, the life of a caregiver, because they come in so many different sizes, shapes, and some people do better than others. Others do worse than others. And it's because I think... Um, a combination of things. Number one, the, their temperament. Wouldn't you agree, Adrian? Their temperament has a lot to do with how they handle caregiving. Um, how prepared they were has something else to do with it. And um, what kind of uh, care receiver that you're taking care of. You know, if it's a spouse, uh, that's one thing. If it's a dementia patient, your mother, that could be something else. If it's special needs uh, child or special needs adult. I mean, there are just so many different stories that one size does not fit all. That's the experience you have also found, Adrian? Yes, I lost Adrian. So she'll be back. So all I can say is from my experience and my website, caregiverdave.com, and from my Facebook page, Dave the Caregiver's Caregiver, uh, with 35,000. Adrian has 165,000. So, you know, 
sometimes a post will get a huge, huge, huge reaction. And sometimes it won't. And um, what is very interesting is that, here, I'm going to go to my page now and let me see here. Um, this was very funny. They put a picture of a little infant and it says, don't worry, when you get old, I'll feed you carrots too. And that is so true because, you know, we start out as an infant needing care, needing mush to put in our mouth so that because we have no teeth <laughs> and diapers because we've lost, you know, we don't have uh, control of our bowels yet. And then we get older, you know, and uh, our parent is our parent and we're the child. And then they get a little older and then things start to reverse. Uh, the child becomes the parent. The parent becomes the child. The parent starts losing their teeth. They need to eat mush also. They need diapers because for some reason they have lost control of their bowels. And you can really tell how good of a job you did on your child by how they treat you as a senior. Um, I tell this story all the time. There was uh, this old guy at I have a gas station, and he came in, and um, his, uh, I say he's an old guy. He was probably in his 50s or 60s, but he had his 80-year-old father follow him in without him being uh, aware of it because he had told him to stay in the car, I guess. And when he realized that his father was standing behind him at the cashier counter, he just he just lost. He started yelling, what are you doing here? I told you to get back in that car. And I mean, he was just giving him the riot act. And everybody in the um, in the gas station uh, convenience store was looking at him, just realizing, wow, what a jerk, you know, the way he's talking to his father that way, whether he's disabled or elderly or Alzheimer's, whatever it is. You know, everybody requires dignity and and appreciation and respect. I mean, they brought you into the world, you know. And who was right there listening to all of this? Is this man who has lost his temper, uh, his son, his little eight or nine or ten year old son, and he's just listening. And I I say, my gosh, when this man is eighty years old. How do you think that little eight-year-old is going to be treating his father? <laughs> Probably the same way. So be careful what you say because you just never know how things are going to turn out. You know what I mean? So I wonder where Adrian is. Anyway, as I was going down here, um, <laughs> it says, be patient with patients who are patient. No, be patient with patients who are not patient. And then another one. Um, what can you do to live without regret and to help your loved one fulfill their dreams? But I wanted to come to the one that got a huge, huge response, and here it is right here. In just a couple of days, it got 43 likes, uh, two, two comments, and 17 shares. But I got one even better than that one. But this one that I'm talking about, uh, life becomes easier when you learn to accept an apology you never got. Boy, that struck a nerve, huh? A lot of people commented on that and shared it. and But then there's one that got an even bigger um, response. It's caring is being there even when you want to be somewhere else. You see a common theme in this? We're, we're kind of being honest. We're saying what people are thinking, right? Uh, the apology you never got 
right? That you keep it inside, becomes bitterness and resentment and all of that stuff. Or um, you want to be somewhere else. Well, I can't think that. that I would be a bad person if I thought that. Well, you know, sometimes you don't want to be there. Sometimes you want to be somewhere else. And being honest about it, I got 103 likes on that one just in a few days, seven comments, and here's the amazing, 51 shares, 51 people knew someone who needed to hear those words. Caring is being there even when you want to be somewhere else. And, you know, I'm guilty. I wanted to be somewhere else. So here's some of the comments. Yes, total devotion. Uh, here's another one. So true. Another one. Yes, every single day. Uh, another one. <laughs> true, that's me for sure. Uh, another one. Being there for them, that is love. Yeah, love and sacrifice. So, you know, as many of you know, I'm on the road. I'm doing stuff uh, uh, not necessarily for caregivers because I'm speaking, you know, uh, stages and I'm not, I may not be speaking to caregivers per se, but I'm speaking to people who know caregivers. And so I tell them what I do and I share with them, you know, the statistics that 30% uh, of caregivers die before their loved ones do. According to oh, she's back. How'd you get back? I thought you gave up. <laughs> I'm back. She's back. I kept trying. <laughs> well, while you were gone, I was talking about different things, but now I'm talking about how I'm on the road so much, and um, I'm not really doing things for caregivers per se because I'm talking to audiences that maybe there's no caregivers in the audience, but I'm talking to people who know caregivers, trying to raise awareness uh, of people exactly. who know caregivers, and I'll say things like, hey, everyone knows a caregiver. Um, you know, help them out, uh, offer to, you know, go grocery shopping for them and just do things because you just might be saving a life. And then for the uh, few that's, that actually might be in the audience, I said, you might be saving your own life because you might become a caregiver tomorrow, even though you're not a caregiver exactly. today. I mean, on August 31st, 1996, I did not know <laughs> that I was going to be a caregiver. Uh -huh. Like... The next morning, within exactly. uh, nine hours, uh, like those people say, "Gosh, if I knew I was going to live this long, I would have, uh, I would have taken better care of myself." Well, if if you would have known you were going to be a caregiver, maybe you would have learned more on what to do, how to take care of yourself. You know, some books to read. Um, I'm going to go see uh, our oldest living president in December, President Jimmy Carter. The only president in the world who has brought peace to a Middle Eastern country and to Israel. That's a big deal. Even if it was only one nation, Egypt, and it cost uh, Mr. Sadat his life because, you know, he's got a lot of enemies. But you know what? Today, uh, five decades later, there is still peace between Egypt, Egypt and Israel. And Israel. And that yes. was one of the nations that surrounded them in the Six-Day War, the Yom Kippur War and uh, tried to, you know, push them into the ocean. <laughs> and that peace uh, almost didn't happen. You know, they had given up again and again and again. And uh, I read the story, and, and it was just, just a quirk. And he went back one more time, and he says, you know what? Uh, Carter was talking to Sadat. 
He says, wouldn't it be great if we could tell our children that you and I, you know, each of our children, that you and I were responsible for peace in the Middle East? And he thought for a moment, you know, I'm sure he, he thought about his children because who do we oh. cherish more than our children, right? And, and immediately he stopped thinking about the, the, uh, the hatred toward the Jews and toward mm-hmm. the Arabs and, and, you know, trying to uh, satisfy his constituency and the, the thousands of years of, of um, challenges that have been between these two people. And he, and he thought Biblical. about his child. You know, maybe he was eight, maybe he was 12, maybe he was three, maybe he was still in his uh, wife's womb. and um, Maybe he was 30. Yeah, and he thought about the future, <laughs> the future of Egypt. And all of a sudden he broke down and he says, let's do it. And Carter couldn't believe his ears. <laughs> and so they did it. No one else did it, but they did it. And Rosalind, who who you said started the, uh, I was trying to remember the organization Ros- she started. The Rosalind Carter Institute. The Rosalind Carter Institute. And what do they do there? You're going there soon, aren't you? Yeah. Um, well, we're going to try and solve caregiver, the caregiver problem, problems of the 21st century. Um, and Are I they think the that same as the caregiver problems of the 20th century? <laughs> well, they'll only become worse. There'll be mm. more. Um, That's right. The good news is there's better there's, technology to handle it. Like yes, but hospitals, yeah. hospitals are sending people home more than they used to. And although people want to die at home, the problems of of caregiving, you will need more facilities to take care of people who cannot live at home. And then you'll have the people who live at home and are not being subsidized in any way or getting help in any way from, from the government. And there have to be new solutions. This is a an issue that's not talked about by politicians very much. I don't think in any of the, uh, any even in the last election, there was not one question in a debate or, or on the campaign trail. No one talked about caregiving. No one talked about the caregiving crisis. And that's what this is going to be about. Well, I hope that I'm able to uh, speak to her about that, give her my book, and let her know that I'm on the face of the globe, and maybe we uh, we can start a relationship. Who knows? Yep. But I'm meeting I'm meeting an awful lot of people, and I, you know, my goal I've told you this before uh, is to talk to Congress, no matter who's controlling them, and to talk at the White White House and and to just let people know the plight of the caregiver. Same uh, here. Just like everybody knows, well, we should do it together then. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, I think because Rosalind Carter was a first lady, yes, she has she a lot of awareness, a voice mm-hmm. that has a lot of weight to it. Yeah, um, she, and she's the one who first started saying there's four kinds of people in the world. You're a caregiver. You're going to become a caregiver. Right. You're going to need a caregiver. What's the fourth one? 
whatever it is. <laughs> I always say there's three, but she magically came up with a fourth one. Four. But it had something to do with the past tense or future tense or present tense. What well, was it? I, I think it's you You uh, are going to become a caregiver, you are a caregiver, or you're going to be a caregiver. And then or you're need. Be a caregiver. Yeah, so that's the four things. And so she was uh, probably saying that back in the 70s, you know, 70s, 80s. But um, I'm, I'm fortunate I'm going to see her. My wife isn't happy that it's going to be on December 21st and tw December 22nd, just a few days before Christmas. What's you know? the occasion? Um, I don't know what the occasion is, but <laughs> those are the dates that I told. If you want to meet Jimmy Carter, <laughs> that's when you can do it. So, I mean, I'm going to have to fly out of L.A. to Georgia, to Atlanta, right. first thing on the 21st, and then rent a car and drive two hours, I'm assuming to Plains, uh, because, you know, that's probably how far Plains is from uh, Atlanta. And then um, they're going to throw a little uh, holiday party that night, because probably they feel bad that we're so far away from home, so close <laughs> to Christmas. And then the next morning, um, uh, we meet Jimmy and the president, I should say. I should be respectful. And hopefully, well, Rosalind. Because he did this once before, and, and they were both there. So I hope they're both going to be there again. And so um, then that evening, or that afternoon, uh, I hop on a plane. So it's a, just a 48-hour turnaround. I did that. Yep with uh, the publicity summit that I went with you on. And it's hard, you know, five, five or six hours. You say five or six hours on a plane, but it's really more. You got to get up like a, to get one to or two hours airport. in advance. Right. You got an hour on the freeway. You got to get there two hours. So just let's say 10 hours on a plane one way and 10 hours on a plane. But, you know, it's worth it. It's President Jimmy Carter, 95 years old, just had a birthday, the oldest living president ever that has ever lived that long. And so uh, how can I say no? <laughs> you know, he, he was on the news today because he had an oh, accident. Oh, no. Put, yes, that put, okay? him hospital, <laughs> that put no. him in the hospital. He's got a terrible yeah. black eye. And he's got, like, I think, 14 stitches. Over oh, his my eye. God. But. That's my worst fear that, that, happened that yesterday. something would happen to him before I get there and on December twenty first. Back building houses today. Of course he is. And he I was building not, houses. He not take it easy. I was building houses with Habitat for Humanity, uh, the same organization he did. We were in Cahoma, Mississippi, a dirt poor Mississippi town that. Uh, uh, you know, there was dirt everywhere. There were no paved uh -huh. roads, and yeah. and there, there wasn't a, a McDonald's or a Seven Eleven. You know, there was a little um, what looked like a, a lemonade stand where they were a selling, little, you yeah. know, uh, cans of soda and and uh, Doritos. There's like a gas station like and a little tiny yeah. general store, and but that's we it. Built, we built houses for these people. I think we built four of them when I was there. And Charlene came. This was before her stroke. And and it was the first missions trip that um, the people on the trip actually came home, gained weight instead of lost weight because Charlene was doing <laughs> the cooking. <laughs> well, well, I like, that, I like Jimmy Carter. Good. I voted for him. 
did. I know, I know maybe he wasn't the greatest president, some would say, but like I said, yes, he, but he's he a was good a man. good man. He was an honest man, and he, and he said, I will never lie to you, you know? And we were used to Richard Nixon and, and Gerald Ford, who pardoned Richard Nixon, and it all just smelled bad, you know? And we needed a breath of fresh air. And, you know, um, he he was just a humble, down-earth, down-to-earth yep. peanut farmer. And uh, the country needed that. With but good then, values. And but then we had, had you know, good sense. double-digit inflation and the... And the Iranian crisis, and you know, and the gas shortage, and and it, things just started spiraling out of it. He didn't have a yep. chance, you know. He no, he didn't. Yeah, which is and unfortunate. Then, and then Reagan, the cowboy, came in and you know pulled a six shooter out, and he fixed everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, uh, let's take another break, and then we got a real short uh, uh, segment to finish up on. So we okay. will be right back. Please, please don't go away. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words, Overcoming Unbelievable Hardships, is about Charlene, a stroke survivor. Back in 1996, Charlene was a healthy, normal, very active 52-year-old woman whose amazing talents resemble that of both a Martha Stewart and a Wonder Woman. But all that changed when she suffered a massive stroke that left her severely speech-impaired and paralyzed on the right side. Everyone who knows Charlene is thoroughly amazed at how she lives day by day, month by month, year by year, and with a smile on her face and hope in her heart that everything is going to be okay. Just hear what best-selling author Lynn Barrington has to say about it. If you think you have it bad, read this book. This is a beautiful, genuine story told from the heart. It's inspiring and easy to read. When you finish this book, you'll be able to look at your concerns in a new light. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words, Overcoming Unbelievable Hardships. Available everywhere. And we're back on the Caregiver Dave Show. I'm Dave and Sandy. This is Adrian Gruberg, and we're talking to each other. And I just wanted to say again that, uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of celebrity stuff and appearances and TV and all of that stuff. And, uh, you know, some people might ask, well, what is... What, what does that have to do with caregiving? Have you forgotten about us? Have Everything. You know, <laughs> you know I, I have become a celebrity in certain circles. And in order to get invited to the White House, I think you need to be a celebrity. They're not just going to, you know, well, they might. But, uh, you know, the more credibility, the more uh, ability to be able to speak in a crowd, uh, the more likely that you will be. And I don't know. Maybe you'll be invited before me, and I hope you drag me along, and maybe I'll be invited <laughs> before you, and I promise I'll drag you along. Uh, and, all right. uh, you know, we don't well, know how it's going to happen, but I really believe it. I can see it in my mind happening because, you know, I've spoken at Harvard. I've spoken at Carnegie Hall. I've spoken at NASDAQ. I've spoken at all these places, 25 TV shows. White House, no big deal. That wouldn't get me nervous. Well, maybe a little. <laughs> um. The only thing that would make me nervous about it is that I wouldn't have enough time to say all the things that need to be said because it's well, such, have to organize it's such your a broad thoughts. topic. Yeah. No, it is just such a broad topic. And I yeah. think a committee of people who are addressing things from different situa you know, different points of view. Uh, yeah. 
Committees would, take longer, don't they, to uh, listen to things? I would. Well, hope. I mean, if they, if you pull together uh, a group of people that, I mean, we are internet people, um, and media people, but yeah. then there are the people who, you know, do do the work uh, in yeah. in hospitals and discharge right. people and and know and palliative care and who really know about. A, a lot about caregiving, the social workers at, let's say, Sloan Kettering. Um, right. it's, it's, it's just so deep. There are so many levels to it. Yeah. And that's, that's what I hope to hear in, um, in Atlanta, is, is a lot of different points of view. Um, were you invited to and, that? Yeah. And uh, what facility is it in? Uh, some auditorium? Rasslin Carter Institute. Uh, so that's in Atlanta, huh? Mm -hmm. as, as opposed to Plains. Yeah, no, that's not in Plains. Plains I think Atlanta is... three times. I should have checked it out, you know. I was very close to the Georgia Dome. Is it close to the Georgia Dome? I have no idea. Is it in downtown, downtown Atlanta? What, the Roslyn Carter Institute? Yeah, yeah. Or is it off in Probably a between, the, between, sort of downtown. Mm -hmm. It's not, Atlanta is so spread out. Well, maybe the next time I'm in Atlanta, which is on uh, December 21st, I don't think I'll have a lot of time, but maybe I <laughs> no, can drive you'll by be, it. but you'll be with them. <laughs> That's true. You will so be with it's them definitely not time. a two-hour drive, right? So we must be going somewhere else, you know, from Atlanta. Two hours. I should look on the map and see at sixty miles an hour, two hours. <laughs> that's one hundred and twenty miles from Atlanta. See what the heck is one hundred twenty miles from Atlanta that has to do with Jimmy Carter? See if it's plain. See if it's his house. Wouldn't that be cool if it was his house? I don't Wouldn't know. Wouldn't it, it be you know. cool? Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool? So I don't know too much about it. Uh, I'm on a need-to-know basis, so I'll let you all know. And then uh, this, the 24th, I'm going to uh, uh, a cancer fundraising red carpet gala and after party with that's MC wonderful. of the Late Late Show, someone in your neighborhood. I think that that's filmed in New York, right? Uh, James Corden. Yes, um, that's in California. Oh, is it? Yeah, yes. I guess it is. Karaoke. Um, uh, yes. Carpool, carpool karaoke, whatever carpool it is. Carpool karaoke. And his most famous one of taking Paul McCartney, driving him around his his neighborhood in Liverpool. And I didn't even know who the guy was because I don't watch the Late Late Show, but I knew who he <laughs> was because I saw I saw it. Like three different people showed it to me. Hey, have you ever seen? No. You've was... got he. There are a lot of them that have. Been and there put are other stars he's done. Yeah. Oh, tons. I mean, yeah, so, the one with Lady Gaga is amazing. And I like um, him. I, I even watched him when I was in my hotel room in uh, at the airport uh, at the uh, Rockstar Seminar. I stayed up late and I, I watched him, and I like him. He's you know? very talented. He's not political. He's just funny. You know, everybody else has got to make political jokes. I says, enough. You know, just make me laugh. <laughs> Johnny Carson yes. was never was topical. Star. Yes, yes. He was yes. never topical. I but mean, we're not in I Kansas watched... anymore, are we, Toto? It's a different. No, I time. mean, I remember the night that John Lennon died. 
you know, like I figured maybe the next night or something, you know, if 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 they taped it and then the next night he would somehow acknowledge it. Never brought current events into into his monologue. It was just entertainment. Pure entertainment. No point of view. Well, he was anyway, brilliant. That's why I like him. So uh, I'm going to be interviewing him, maybe get a picture with him. And what other stars? There's got to be a lot of stars there if it's a uh, fundraiser, cancer fundraiser. You would think kind. so. You would think so. Uh, everybody wants to be his friend, so I'm sure there will be a lot of people there. <laughs> and I will have my film producer, my documentary there as well. They're trying to get a ticket for him as, because, let's face it, I'm, I'm, I'm an interviewer, I'm media, I need my cameraman with me, right? And it's all going in the documentary. And I'm. Saying, How long oh, do you think your documentary is going to be? I don't know. He doesn't know. He says he just he does them, and ha- wherever they go is where he goes, and however long they take is, and when they're when it's finished, he will know it's finished. He, he doesn't plan. So it. this is a documentary on you, on me and my life with Charlene, and he's he believes that it's going to be about three lives. And then he he just mixes them all up and tells them one at one at a time in in order in turn, mm-hmm. and so um, at the event I brought him to, uh, I think he found his second person because she's an amazing amazing woman, and she was on my show I was on her show, she had a traumatic brain injury and uh-huh. she's just miraculously doing all these amazing amazing things more amazing than me, I mean. <laughs> Uh, because she lost her memory, and she she was like 10-second Tom on that movie, uh, Fifty First Dates, and it just all came back. And she still has her limits. You know, every now and then her brain just says, okay, that's enough. I'm shutting down now. Okay. Uh, I was talking to her and uh, during dinner, and all of a sudden she says, wait. And then she says, i got to do something. And she went out, and she was gone for like 15 minutes, and she came back. She said, okay, I'm good now. And she <laughs> later told me, no, I know when my brain's about to shut down and I have to go sit somewhere and just, you know, uh, recharge, you know. Yeah. And it's, so that's his second story, I believe. So he's looking for a third story. And um, and so he's going to work on all three stories and he's going to enter it into a film festival. That's good. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I don't know where God has taken me. He just opens these doors, opens these opportunities. I get a phone call. Hey, I was invited here. I can't go. I'm in Philly. Would you go in my place? And I was always told, just say yes to opportunities. Just don't, say yes. Don't, you know, figure it out later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's that's what I do. And let's face it, I'm no spring chicken anymore. And and I want to die on a, you know on an empty tank, you know, where the the wax in the candle is gone and and. Uh, they can put on the tombstone all used up. <laughs> Don't want to leave anything on the table. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, you know. And then I will be ushered into the next life and, you know, and all that goes with that. Some people don't think there's anything after that, and I feel sorry for them. But uh, the way I figured, it's like a Las Vegas uh, crap table thing, you know. If you're wrong... You got a lot to lose, you know, by living a good life and and believing there's a God and and you know doing all that stuff. But if you're if you're right, I should say if you're wrong, uh, it's no big deal. You just lived a good life, you know, 
And okay, the lights go off when, when you die. At least you lived a good, happy life because people who live a good life are happier. Mm, and their children are so. happy. You know, people who are lying and stealing and cheating, you know, they're always in trouble and and their kids are lying and stealing and cheating, and it's just it's just strife. They think they're they think they're happy. Yeah, because they're then, filling themselves up with stuff. Yeah, and then the other side of my gambling analogy is, and if you're right, then hey, that speaks for itself. But you've got uh, nothing to lose and everything to gain, you know, or you actually may have a lot to lose. So I say that to all the people out there who who just, you know. Uh, the people who just don't know, well, I just don't know what's out there. You know, i got to prove it. Well, I guess that's what faith is. You know, when I sat down in this chair, I believed, I had faith that this chair wasn't going to collapse under me. So we all have faith in something, you know. All right, enough of that. Uh, Look, no, we're uh, out of time. And uh, so I would say thank you for coming on the show again. I don't, thank you. Must, you we must for... be in our third year with you, I think. Oh, it's, more than it that. It seems like, oh, really? Yeah. I'm going to get the exact date next time and see. I did give you an exact date <clears throat> Yeah. at some point. Because we started before the videos, right? We were still doing audios, I believe. No. We were doing videos. Really? So you never did an audio. It was always a video. I did all, always did video with you. Okay. Well, I, I know the early uh, two interviews I did with you may not have been video. Okay. Those were just interviews. Okay, well, that's interesting. I'll look that up because we should celebrate an anniversary that's coming up or something. <laughs> Have an excuse yeah. for a party or a cake or something. <laughs> and uh, I I think, you know, we've, we've done about half of the uh, Publicity Summit guests that we, we spoke to, about 45 or so. We're just going through the box. You know, half of those people never called back, but that's okay. I'm really? going to call them. But they broke the number one cardinal rule. You call back your producer that you booked with within, Absolutely. within four to six weeks or it dies. You know? But uh, Absolutely. it's not going to die for us because we're, we're still talking about caregiving and nobody fired me because that's the problem with producers. You know, They, they have uh, promoted or get fired or they quit and they're moved on to something else and your contact is gone. Now you got to start all over again. And so uh, these people aren't very smart to not – keep in touch with us but that's okay we're people of grace we will keep in touch with them so we've got about 20 <laughs> 22 23 more of them that we still have to interview which will take us through probably through the next other half of and the there were some people that were supposed to call me and, and Pooja, right? if you yeah. Pooja was fabulous she is, is she the only she's, one she's that, the only uh, one that followed up and called me yeah, well, good for you Pooja. And so um, I say, you and know, she was special. Yeah, people complain about not being successful, but they tell me all the time, ninety percent of success is what? Do you know the answer? Showing up. Just show up. <laughs> you know, it's like even yep. you get a you get a, a a moving violation that you feel like you were cheated on. Most people say, oh, you can't fight city hall. Screw it. You know. But you know Don't what? Fight. There's a 50% chance that that police officer will not show up, and you did. And guess what? Ticket dismissed. Boom. <laughs> and so just show up. And with that, I will bid you adieu. <laughs>
So long, farewell, auf Wiedersehen, goodbye. Goodbye. And you, and you, and you, and you, and, and you. you, and you, and you. <laughs> Next time, see we'll see you, you all. Next Love week. you, Adrian. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Caregivers Caregiver Radio Program with Dave Nassani.